Welcome in, Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni with Matthew Betts, and it's time to get divisional. Let's get divisional. Betts, what's up, man? Yes, the divisional round. I'm so excited, dude. These these games on paper profile as just awesome spots. I mean, at this point, obviously, we're not talking about any bad teams anymore. This is This is real. Um, I think the NFL saw what happened with the seven seeds last week. That was some rough football to watch. Shout out to my Eagles for being terrible, um, among other teams as well. So I don't think we'll have as many blowouts this week. Hopefully none. And I'm really just excited for the football to uh, to watch these games. So it should be a great weekend. Yes, it's it's a good time to watch actual real NFL football. And then I know for DFS, there's so many different routes that you can go, especially on a four game slate. And the pricing, you and I will talk about that, but like, it's really easy to fit in so many different studs. You and I were looking at some of the optimals that we ran earlier and you could basically fit in all the KC studs. You could fit in all the stud running backs and still have enough room to fit in another stud receiver like AJ Brown or someone else. So the pricing is probably a bit soft. So when we talk about some of these plays this week, I just want to give you room. You could really do anything like, I mean, you could convince yourself for me, that all eight of these teams could win. Yeah, I think that's a, a really um, viable take. I mean, looking at the spreads, too, from a Vegas perspective, they're all pretty tight, less than a touchdown in every game. So, yeah, I mean, this game or this weekend, rather, could go uh, a lot of different directions. And I think that provides a lot of opportunity if you have a take that's contrarian against what the field projects or what a lot of people are thinking is going to happen. I mean, in tournaments, feel free to take your shot. Before we hop into the divisional state, let's quickly talk about wild card. I know people want to hear about you and I and uh, the utter destruction that we felt because the wild card round, there's a couple of assumptions for me that I was just dead wrong on. And I just want to start off by saying, I thought the Patriots would make that a game. I thought that game would hit the under. I thought that the Bills passing attack probably wasn't what you wanted to invest in. I was dead wrong on that one. So I think for me, Damian Harris... Let me down a ton. I thought he was a good play and uh, buried some lineups. And just overall, I was pretty low on the Bills. Yeah, I was fortunate to play one Josh Allen team. Thank goodness. Um, but not enough of him. And to be truthful, I was kind of in the same boat as you. Like, I thought that game would stay pretty close. You know, talking about division rivals that know each other very well. Like, thought it could be a pretty close game. So I was pretty in on Damian Harris. And that was just a train wreck. The other issue was the Daryl Williams situation, which that being one of the Sunday games, if you played the six game slate was tough because we were still waiting on information. You know, all along, I think the sentiment was he's going to play, but maybe that toe issue is more serious than we were being kind of uh, understanding of and or he also fumbled and then got benched after that. So that just went south incredibly quick. And I think that's a good learning situation, you know, especially if the player coming off an injury, like if the field just assumes this guy is 100 percent good to go. I mean, sometimes you're going to be wrong if you take the opposite approach. When you're right, the payoff is massive. So if you avoided the Darrell Williams landmine last week, you probably had a solid week. Um, 
I played a ton of them, unfortunately, but here we are. And what I love about DFS in the divisional round is like we're going to talk about Jarek McKinnon versus Derrick Henry as a play this week. So uh, it's a lot of fun for DFS slates. For sure. And just in general with wild card, uh, there were there were so many different plays that you could. So if you didn't have that one, like if you didn't have Byron Pringle in a GPP, you probably didn't get there. You didn't have Jamar Chase, who I was pretty light on. Uh, then it got pretty bad. But, you know, there's a couple of different plays that I felt good about. CJ Ozama early on uh, was one of our dart throws that we talked about. Uh, it's just, can you compete with the rest of these guys? Like, normally when we're talking about a slate that's you know, has 12, 13 games in regular season, you get a touchdown from CJ Uzama, you feel great. But what you missed out on it if you played somebody like that was a two-touchdown game from Dawson Knox or a two-touchdown game from Travis Kelsey. So when we talk about tight ends this week, we ha- we still have a ton of studs. And if you try to get too cute, you're going to end up with the Tyler Higby game, who also had two touchdowns, like where Tyler Higby scores once, but you can't really compete against Gronk or Kelsey who just have these massive scores. So just realize that um, there's not that many plays anymore. Next week, we'll only have four games to talk about and the week after that too. So uh, just kind of think about it in terms of correlation. And the last thing I'll mention, if you're playing in GPPs, you need leverage. And you don't get leverage if you're playing a bunch of different plays for a bunch of different games. Like last week, let's say you had Josh Allen and you had Dawson Knox. That's awesome. Like you, you had a really great call. But if you didn't follow that up with a bunch of other plays, you ended up spreading yourself so thin that everybody else would have had those two players and you didn't get over them. So go all in on a game. We're going to be talking about these four. And maybe there is a game that you could say, hey, I really like three or four players from this game and I just want to go all in there. You can get way more leverage than saying, I have Cooper Cup. Where it's like, well, this person has Stafford, they have Cup, they have Fournette, and they have, I don't know, your boy Brashad Perryman who goes for a touchdown. Like those are the kind of things that you need. Anything else you want to say just about leverage in these kind of slates? Yeah, I feel like a broken record. I think I talk about this almost every week now and especially on these slates. Like I I love that DraftKings made it the four game main slate instead of like the two main slates on Saturday and Sunday and then the Monday night game. So there's none of that nonsense this week. It's just the four game slate that I'm really excited to talk about. And the reason again is because of late swap advantage. Not enough of our opponents are doing it. And when you just have information at your disposal, you know, how did the players do in the first round? Let's say that you didn't play Joe Burrow and he was popular and he went off with Jamar Chase and you didn't have those guys like you can't play Cooper Cup on Sunday. You got to get different elsewhere in your lineup. So using late swap to your advantage, I think, is huge. Again, not enough. The field is doing it. I absolutely want to prioritize that this weekend. Well, we are glad that you are with us continuing this playoff DFS train as it keeps rolling. If you want to get all of our picks, you can get them in the DFS Pass at DFSPass.com. Use promo code DFSPOD. We had someone this past week. They finally signed up. They heard us say it long enough. And then they DM me and said, hey, by the way, this paid for itself in one weekend. I had fun playing DFS with you guys. Uh, at one point, bets, did you know that I was in third place in your contest? The I think it was called the <laughs> Wild Card Special. Wild Card Something Weekend. Something like that. Yeah, I did. I saw that. And uh, if you saw me, I was matter. very far towards the bottom <laughs> in that one. What's, so yeah, come come play with us. It's it's so much fun. And uh, you know, there's nothing better than logging in, seeing your scores after the first game, and then seeing them the, the next day at the bottom. It's it's a fun a fun tradition each week for me. I love it. I uh, yeah, 
heading into the Kansas City Pittsburgh game, I was third place in that contest. I was like, all right. And then I knew I have no shot at this because all I had left was Daryl Williams and I didn't have anyone in the Rams Cardinals game. So um, yeah, if you want to play with us, you can go to uh, ballersdfs.com. We'll talk more about that at the end of the episode, but let's talk about these four games. Stack attack. So we're going to talk about the four games in the divisional round from a stacking perspective and maybe kind of speculate what we think the field is doing. We'll have a roster percentage report out on Friday and updated again on Saturday. But the first game we're going to talk about is the Cincinnati Bengals, the four seed at the Tennessee Titans, somehow the one seed. Titans are three and a half point home favorites, and this game has a 47 point total. Before we get into the DFS talk, just in general, do you feel like the public is like behind the Bengals? Like they just want the Bengals to come through? Yeah, they've kind of quietly turned into like the sexy team in the playoffs that everyone's sleeper. Um, and for good reason, like Joe Burrow's playing awesome. You know, they're a fun team to root for. They've got a ton of, of great players. Um, and I feel like the sentiment is like, you know, this Titans team, how are they the one seed? Like they lost to the Jets this year. How are they the one seed? And I think if that's the way the market is perceiving this situation, I think a lot of people are going to be on the Bengals as like the team to go after in this one. Um, I'm pretty excited about the Titans, though, to take a little bit of a contrarian approach. I mean, they're playing at home. Obviously, they have the rest. And this is the healthiest they've been all season, talking about the offensive side of the ball with, man, Derrick Henry back after a foot of snow in Vermont. We have Julio Jones another week to rest and get healthy. A.J. Brown, they've played barely any snaps, all three of those guys together with Tannehill this year. So this is the Titans team that I think we were all really excited about in the preseason for their offense. And I think we'll see it hopefully this weekend against the Bengals. Yeah, with the snow model humming, is this one of those situations where you trust the model and you just say, hey, we haven't had it started up in a while, you know, it's it's kind of rusty, or is this one of those situations where you use a little bit of like sensibility and say, hey, the model's not 100% right, it's like 99.9%, how many carries is <laughs> Derrick Henry going to get? Yes, this is this pains me to say because I just want to say, and for listeners that are like, what the heck are you guys talking about? Last year, there was an inside joke on the show. Every time it snowed up here in Vermont during the football season, Derrick Henry went bananas. And it was like literally every single week. Well, we got a foot of snow this week in Vermont, projected for more this weekend. So it feels scary to fade the model. But listen, man, here's the reality. Coming off the foot fracture, I don't think he's 100%. And this situation is not one that you just kind of plug and play a player and say, okay, go, you're fine. The fracture that he's dealt with is one that you need a slow ramp up period for. So obviously he's been doing a ton in practice and he's he's kind of ramping up each week. Based off what I've seen in practice, he looks way better than he did last week. So that's great. But is he going to come out and give you 25 carries in his first game in the last 12 weeks? I would be shocked if that's the case. So FanDuel, they were not sleeping on Derrick Henry. He is up at 9K. They are, they are not giving you a discount on DraftKings. I'm a little interested. He's 7,500 over there. And it's like, okay, he's expensive, yes. But when you think about, we were playing Derrick Henry at like 10K and and trying to jam him in at that price. So it feels like that's already baked in a little on DraftKings, on FanDuel, maybe not as much. But if the field is going to be on Derrick Henry, it feels like a pretty obvious fade situation with the injury stuff baked in. What's also difficult is I feel like this game has the two premier running backs in terms of just talent in general, Mixon and Henry. And 
when we're stacking games, we usually pick a side and then either run it back with a wide receiver or the running back if we think that team's going to get a lead. It's hard with the Bengals because they've kind of transformed themselves into being a super slow team that had a really low neutral pass rate to now like sixth or seventh highest in the last couple of weeks. So it's not just as easy to say if you're playing Henry, then you're playing Burrow stacks, or if you're you know, playing Tannehill stacks, you're playing Mixon. Like it's, it's not so simple for me. So I've gone back and forth what to do with Henry. You know that you can get buried. And you know, based on what you said, you actually use the phrase snow projections, which is great. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you, you know you can get buried. So I think my stance is just to be underweight right now uh, in GPPs because I just, on FanDuel, that price is so high and there's enough wide receivers where I feel like I can make up the difference in other great games, right? All four of these games are great that you can stack them up. So I'm okay being lower on Henry this week. I think so too. And and don't hear we're not saying like Henry being there is really good for the Titans offense. Looking at the splits since he has become the bell cow of the team and it actually all coincides with when Ryan Tannehill was the starter when they drafted AJ Brown since 2019. Like they're averaging as a team uh, almost a touchdown more per game. Their game total is at about 40 points uh, when he's not in the lineup, 48.1 when he is in the lineup. So he helps the offense. And I think my stance here is like, okay, I, I want to have maybe a little exposure to Henry in the event that he's just an outlier and he comes off this foot fracture for 20 carries and 125 yards and two touchdowns. I don't want to miss out on that. But my largest stance, I'm pretty excited about Ryan Tannehill's stacks this week. And it's because we know we can run the football, A. B, like his splits with A.J. Brown and Julio in the lineup together, albeit a small sample size this year, are insane. His efficiency goes way up. We know Ryan Tannehill games historically hit the over. And if we like Cincy to start to throw more, which they have in the last month of the season with Joe Burrow, then I could see a back and forth shootout type of affair here. I like the over in this game. So I'm pretty excited about Ryan Tannehill. What are your thoughts there on the passing side for Tennessee? Yes, I'm in on Tannehill. It was rough if you tried to play him during the regular season redraft. And then in DFS, if you tried to pick your spot and you said, oh, Henry's gone, they're going to rely on Tannehill. It just didn't happen. Week 18, they exploded against the Texans. But you saw that in Tannehill. He had the second most quarterback rushing touchdowns in the league. So like you mentioned, that kind of upside that says, hey, he gets three touchdowns, one of them on, on the ground. I want to use Tannehill stacks this week. I think that's kind of my stance. You can throw in Derrick Henry. They've always been pretty positively correlated in the past. Uh, but A.J. Brown is an elite play on DraftKings at 6,200. I mean, just play A.J. Brown. Like, Cincinnati allowed the third most 20-plus yard completions. So Tannehill and Brown sounds simple, but I kind of want to add another piece. And I want you to talk me down about Julio Jones because I want to. I want to be there. Everyone says he's dead. They've buried him in pricing right? 4,700 on DraftKings, 5,600 on FanDuel. I mean, you could name this guy completely something else and no one would bat an eye, but it's Julio Jones. And in week 18, he saw 48% of the team's air yards. Okay. So talk me out of it. I guess the downside here for the Tannehill stuff that we're excited about is that we know it's an efficiency-based play, right? Like Ryan Tannehill is not going to drop back and pass 45 times the way Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes could any given week. That's just not in his bag. So you're relying on efficiency from Tannehill and you're relying on big plays from his wide receivers, which is why we're so excited about AJ Brown. Can Julio get there on a like five for 50 and one type of game? 
Absolutely, of course. And it depends on the slate you're playing. If you're playing the four-game slate, you know, it may it may not be enough, is what I'm saying. On a two-game slate, by all means, yes, it can get there. I don't know if I'm going to click the button on Julio this week. The price is pretty far down there. I just am, am seeing in my head, like, I don't see a, a range of outcomes where Julio can actually break the slate for you the way other wide receivers can on this uh, four-gamer. So that's where I'm at with Julio. Are you going to you gonna play some sacks with Julio? I, I mean, definitely of course am. you're a Falcons fan, I, so your your yeah. allegiance is there. I definitely will. I'll just say this. If you're playing cash this week, he's cheap enough to stick in a lineup if you really wanted to like pay up somewhere else. So yeah, I think he's fine. I wouldn't I would agree with you though. The ceiling of expecting a hundred and and two is not there. It's just not. Let's say you got eighty a six for eighty and a touchdown. At forty seven hundred, I would be super excited to get something like that. So that's kind of what you're hoping for is, is the yardage, which Julio's always done in the past. Um, and then last thing I want to say, you're going to see in your matchups when you log into FanDuel or log into DraftKings, and you're going to see that the Bengals are the worst against fantasy tight ends. And then you're going to see there's guys named Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swaim. They just can't compete. So I'm out on the Ferk daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of in on him for best ball, and that was a train wreck this oh, yeah. year. So, yeah, no, not playing the Ferk Daddy, not playing Jeff Swaim. Um, so I'm excited to watch them uh, in this game go off for two touchdowns, probably, because that's how this works. So, But, yeah, I'm not going to play him. The Ferk Daddy, he was like a summer fling. Like, you know, you went on a couple dates, and uh, you moved on. Like, you saw a movie together, and you'll always remember that when you saw that movie <laughs> in the summer, you'll always think back to the Ferk Daddy. But... Um, yeah, it's over, bro. We're we're not going there. He did go to Harvard. Um, let's talk about the Bengals side. So Joe Burrow, you mentioned, is the name that people want to play. They want to play Burrow double stacks. Uh, Jamar Chase obviously is amazing. What do we do with T. Higgins? Because he keeps showing up in our projections as a strong play, and he was super quiet for most of that game last week. Yeah, I barely did anything from a, a target standpoint. Obviously, the box score reflects that from his production. It was minimal, obviously. So he's kind of boom bust. I mean, we've seen him have like three top five wide receiver one weeks in uh, season long leagues throughout the year. But we know that his downside is certainly there. You know, um, just once has he hit double digit fantasy points in the last month. So it's a boom bust GPP only option for me this week if you're playing a burrow stack and want to get some leverage on jamar chase i think it's viable that said it's getting more and more terrifying to fade chase which i did last week and it was not good it was not good people <laughs> to fade jamar chase because we think of him as only this downfield threat that's what we thought about him throughout the course of the year you know he'd give you those long bombs and nothing else well over the last month He's seen double-digit targets in three of the last four weeks, and his role is changing. They're getting involved on jet sweeps, short area targets, becoming the focal point of the offense, which is smart. He's an awesome player to get the ball in his hands. So you're seeing the role change, I think, for Jamar Chase, and I think it's negatively affecting T. Higgins' outlook. So if you're playing Burrow Stacks, mix him in for sure, but I'm not over the moon about T. Higgins. Um, I certainly fell into that trap last week. Yeah, I feel like he's more of those that you're guessing it's not going to be a chase week and you go in on Higgins, which is where I was last week. You and I did play a lot of Tyler Boyd, and I think he's a solid play this week. Tennessee's allowing the sec uh, allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing slot wide receivers. So on DraftKings, I think you can play Tyler Boyd in cash at 4,800. 4, he's a solid play, but is your stance to basically take Burrow 
and figure out who the two pieces are if you're going to stack him? Yeah, I think so. Um, Tennessee, we know, is a team that's sort of this like uh, mini pass funnel. You know, like they're not like the most obvious, like the Bucks. You know, we can't run on the Bucks. You got to pass on the Bucks. Everyone knows that. Tennessee is not far behind. I mean, opposing wide receivers are being targeted at the highest rate in the league against Tennessee. So I think someone pops up for a massive game this week, whether it's Chase, Higgins, or Boyd. I think we would say most weeks that's going to be Chase, but certainly you can take some shots. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about uh, those Cincy pass catchers. And then obviously because of that, I think you have to be excited about what Joe Burrow can do, especially if we think (coughs) that Ryan Tannehill can have success. And this kind of turns into those big play back and forth type of situations. So yeah, I like both sides of this ball as far as the passing attack. I guess in that stance that I would be kind of out on Joe Mixon. I mean, the the matchup is pretty tough against Tennessee. Uh, The Titans averaging uh, 3.9 yards per carry allowed. That's fourth best in the league on the year. And Joe Mixon has been extremely inefficient, 3.3 yards per carry over the last six weeks. So are you with me in kind of the fade on Joe Mixon? Do you think you want to play him because no one else will? What's your take on that situation? Yeah, when I was looking at this game, he's the piece that seems like the field will be the lowest on because on DraftKings, he's the RB3. FanDuel, he's the RB2. It's really easy to just scroll past his name. And also, if you're playing Henry, I feel like a lot of people aren't going to be playing Mixon in the same game. So Mixon's nothing more than a leverage piece on, you know, on Henry. And I don't mind it if you said Burrow... Let's say Mixon gets one on the ground and one through the air. Just somehow, like he falls in the end zone, then I think you're getting him at a massively low roster percentage and you're adding another wide receiver. So that's the only chance I'm doing it is if I really think the Bengals are going to put up 30 points and he gets two touchdowns. But it's kind of easy to move past him because there's a lot more value at the running back position as you scroll down. We'll talk about Leonard Fournette in a little bit. He seems like a really solid play. So... Uh, yeah, I I just think he's going to be a piece that I'm definitely lower on. Uh, but give me your Vegas pick. I'm going to go with the Titans. I think the uh, the market has overreacted. Everyone says that the worst one seed we've seen in forever, but they're still a really good team. I'll lay the three and a half. I will go with the over. It's at 47 right now, and I I really could see this game go either way. I have strong convictions in the other three, but. I mean, I'm still not convinced Tennessee should have been a one seed. So I could, I don't know, it's it's just really hard for me. I know that's probably more narrative-based, but like, honestly, this is the game I could see go either way. Yep, for sure. All right, next one is the San Francisco 49ers at the Green Bay Packers. Packers are six-point home favorites at Lambeau, and this game is a 47 total. This feels like a game that we grew up with like in the 90s, like a Brett Favre, Steve Young, like, This is cool. This is a classic matchup, and the 49ers are trending as one of those teams as well, at least for the NFC, that people are like, they're cool. They're fun. They're all over social media this week. I mean, we saw a ton. I saw a ton of videos of Debo dancing, uh, their offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniel. Like, They're a team that people want to talk about, but there's a lot to like on the Packers side, especially who they're getting back. So uh, talk to me about how you see this game. Yeah, this is a a tough one from a game stack for me. And it really it's because I see the Packers taking care of business here. Lined open at four and a half as favorites. It's all the way up to six. Could see that easily getting to six and a half or seven by the time the weekend gets here. You're talking about a team that is trending in the right direction as far as health. On the defensive side, 
likely, we don't have confirmation yet, but likely getting back Jerry Alexander. We haven't seen him since like September. Um, and Zadarius Smith uh, back as well. So if those two are back, they're also getting their left tackle, David Bakhtiari. He came back in week 18, played a limited role. He's back as a full go. And then, of course, you have, oh, by the way, MVP candidate likely to win it, Aaron Rodgers playing at home with extra rest and time to prepare for this game. So I like this spot for Green Bay. I know that San Francisco is kind of the sexy team as far as the NFC. Like, they're super fun to root for. Debo just keeps breaking every single efficiency metric that exists. So, you know, you want to keep playing him. Um, But I really could see this game turning into more of a lopsided affair than any of the other ones. And I think the Vegas line, you know, shows that as well. From a pace perspective, this game projects as by far the slowest of the week. Like Green Green Bay was dead last neutral pace. San Francisco is fourth slowest. I will say there's some flaws to talking about this as, oh, it's just going to be slow only because... San Francisco ranks first in yards per play. Like, and you mentioned it, like Debo breaks the metrics. Jimmy G was second in yards per attempt. And then on the Green Bay side, yes, they might be slow, but they also have Aaron Rodgers. So it's, it's just really hard to look at these two teams and just say, well, they're, they're just going to run the ball. And it's like, they can break big plays. We know that Rodgers can hit them down, hit Devontae Adams wherever. And Devontae Adams has killed the 49ers. We mentioned this, you and I, like all over our articles, but just like, destroyed them stat lines wise like to the point where he would break this slate if he continued to do that so is adams one of those like lock him in i have to play him if i'm playing cash i think so i mean the real the conversation is you know looking at the pricing on dk he's 8500 on fanduel 8700 it's a no-brainer if you're talking about oh do i play derrick henry on fanduel or Devonta adams for 300 less 10 out of 10 times for me if you're playing cash over there it's Devontae Adams. And then the other conversation is, how does he compare to Cooper Cup at the top of the pricing range on FanDuel? Again, 9500 for Cup, way cheaper than than Cup Devontae Adams is. So that's a no-brainer. And then on DK, I think it's more of a conversation. 8600 for Cup, 85 for Devontae. But you know, you're talking about a player that we know, especially in these types of games in the playoffs, where Aaron Rodgers is going to go to his guy over and over again. The San Francisco secondary is the weakness of this defense. Devontae Adams, I think, is going to smash this week. Um, My early lean is to to lock him in and cash if you're playing that type of format this weekend. Yeah, the running games are what interests me the most from a GPP perspective because Adams, stacking Rodgers and Adams, and then maybe adding another piece like Alan Lazard, uh, MVS, like that. that's the way you could go in GPPs. Seems really straightforward. But the running games for both of these teams are intriguing. Like, of the playoff teams, the Packers are allowing the most expected points per rush attempt. So, you know Elijah Mitchell's probably going to be see 15-plus touches. I mean, you know that Debo's basically a, a running back and still leading the team in routes run. So, that's the running game that I like on San Francisco's side. I don't really want anything to do with Jimmy G. And then on the Packers' side, Aaron Jones, I feel like, is going to be forgotten this week and just kind of buried. Like, he's priced up on the sites where you can't just, like, get too sneaky like on DraftKings, he's the rb2 on fanduel is the rb3 like you you have to pay up but i think you're paying up for someone that's going to be contrarian and you're betting on his efficiency because as a pass catcher he can get it done so what are your thoughts on the two running games yeah i think it is pretty interesting this week for aaron jones and you know looking at like what happened at week 18 obviously he was inactive aj Dillon played and throughout the middle part of the season, there was kind of this like back and forth, like, oh, maybe Dylan's taking over. Maybe it's Aaron Jones. They're kind of splitting work. 
And then A.J. Dillon was playing like late into the third quarter with Jordan Love in a meaningless game. So I'm not sure if maybe they rested Aaron Jones. He had the minor knee issue to like get him ready for the playoffs. And looking at the running backs on this slate, talking about like who can just win on efficiency and somehow find his way into three touchdowns. Obviously, the likelihood of that happening is low for any running back. But if there's one that can do it, Aaron Jones is massive leverage off of chalky Devontae Adams. I think that's pretty interesting in GPPs. Um, so yeah, and especially if Fred Warner does sit in this game, he has the ankle issue. It sounds like he'll probably play, but if he does sit, that would obviously upgrade, um, the running backs on, on green Bay as well. So I'm pretty interested in Aaron Jones in GPPs this week. Yeah. I think just in general, you mentioned it off the top, but like things are trending well health wise for the Packers. The 49ers is the opposite. Nick, but Nick Bosa was also in concussion protocol. So it's like both of those situations are just trending towards this is going to be a Packer when these two teams did play in week three at San Francisco and Green Bay won 30 to 28. So there's a lot to like on the Packers side. So is there any reason that we should go in other directions other than maybe Debo and Eli Mitchell for the 49ers? Like George Kittle is always great for GPPs. Like if you want to go there He's all the way down at 5,300 on DraftKings, so that interests me, but the target volume just hasn't been there. Yeah, it's been so tough for Kittle He's because it's the same conversation every week. We know what he's capable of. We know what the floor is, and we've seen the floor for a month straight, so I don't think anyone's going to play George Kittle. I think he's interesting in large field GPPs because of the fact that the only person playing him is Kyle Borgannoni, um, but, <laughs> but the metrics have been pretty tough. I mean, looking at... Like targets per route run is, is a stat that I know the guys have talked about on the main show for a lot of part of the season. He's just not seeing targets despite the fact that he's running rats out there. Like Kittle's just out there doing cardio for the most part at this point because Debo is just having so many efficient big plays. So I personally would not play Debo and Kittle together. I don't think they can both get there the way that they win. So large field GPPs, sure, sprinkle them in. But I think if you're looking at, you know, the quote optimal plays from San Francisco, it's going to be Eli Mitchell and it's going to be Debo Samuel. All right. So give me your Vegas pick in this game. This feels like such a square bet, but but I'll take the Packers minus six. I don't see how they lose this game. I already did take the Packers minus six. It just, it feels like they're just set up at home against, I mean, Jimmy G, nice story. I get that they're behind it, but it's not trending well. We didn't even mention right, this next with with Jimmy G real quick. Uh, also, the shoulder issue, not just the thumb issue now. So it's it, it takes a little bit off the, the top of the ceiling, I think, for the pass catchers as well. Yeah, you're just not going to get those games where he throws three or four touchdowns. Like, he can't compete even at his cheap price. You know, 5,200 on DraftKings sounds great, but, you know, you're not going to get that. He did have as many 300-yard games as Patrick Mahomes this year. Hot stat. Ooh, that is a hot stat. Where can we find that hot stat? Is it on the website? Oh, yeah. 25 quarterback statistics from the 2021 fantasy season from yours truly. It's one of my favorite articles to write every single year. Uh, All right. Two more games. This one I'm pretty stoked to talk about. I feel pretty strong in my convictions. It's the Los Angeles Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers are two and a half point home favorites. This game is a 48 and a half point total. It's a rematch from week three when these two teams played and the Rams won. Stafford went for 343 and four. I don't know if you remember, that was a DJX game where he just went, he had a huge bomb and Brady in a comeback mode uh, had 58 attempts. So are you seeing, I really like the Rams in this game. I think that they can compete 
And it's hard for me seeing somebody outside of Mike Evans and the wide receiver court be a difference maker. And so that actually matters a lot to me uh, when I think of just how these two teams uh, match up. Yeah, no, for sure. I think talking about the Bucks side of things, um, it was really in- intriguing, I think, and, and awesome to see Mike Evans get into an alpha role. I mean, we've seen it obviously in his career, but with Godwin and AB there, you know, it was kind of rotating. One week it's Godwin, one week it's AB, one week it's Mike Evans. Oh, and then there's Gronk. Last week, he was the dude seeing a 28% target share carved up my Eagles, unfortunately. But if you're playing someone on that side, he's priced up a little bit. I like Mike Evans in GPPs. The ceiling is definitely there. If he continues that role of um, kind of the alpha wide receiver one on this team, when you look at who he's competing with for targets, Brashad Perryman, your boy Tyler Johnson, who uh, Brady was very not happy with last week <laughs> in his play, um, who's in, he's in Tom's doghouse now, um, and Scotty Miller. Like That's the competition outside of Gronk. So yes, I like Mike Evans. He's the most obvious play. And I think, too, like if you hear any narratives out there of like, okay, you got to fade Mike Evans because you got Jalen Ramsey on the other side. No, don't worry about that. Not an issue. Jalen Ramsey has not been shadowing much at all this year. So I think Mike Evans is solid. Um, I'm pretty excited about him in this game. Yeah, on DraftKings is 6800 That's way too cheap. On FanDuel, he is priced up. Like He's more expensive than Jamar Chase. Uh, so I like him from a volume perspective, but... On the Tampa Bay side, like I think my favorite plays are probably Fournette or Gronk. Not Evans. So you're more of a you're more of a Gronk week this week, huh? I think so. Fournette, if he's healthy, if he's playing at 5700, I think he's one of the strongest cash game plays that you can get. But also, like there's real upside for him to get two touchdowns, to catch four or five balls, and be a difference maker at the running back position. So I think that's more of what I'm trying to say. There's lots of wide receivers I like this week. But I think Fournette as a at running back can be someone that you almost have to have in your lineup. Yeah, he's too cheap for the role that he's had. We talked about him assuming he would play last week. Um, and then I was I was shocked he didn't play. So I think he is back out there. Uh, for the record, we are recording this on Thursday, so we don't have final word. But he did tweet in all caps on Wednesday that he is back. And I don't think you tweet in all caps unless you're 100% sure you're coming back. So we'll see on Lenny. Um, any concern with Geo? I know that like Lenny really phased Geo out, but Geo looked pretty good last week, honestly. Do you think he takes any passing down work? Because that, to me, would be a, a pretty big factor as far as GPP ceiling for Lenny. You can't really run on the Rams. We talk about it, the, the Bucks all the time. The Rams' run defense is awesome. So I think this is a Brady passing game. I like uh, the pass-catching opportunity for the running back position in general. Do you think Geo carved out a role at all last week? I think... So at 5K, it's definitely interesting, but you're, you know, how many carries you're going to get? Two, three. Oh, He's not going to get any I'm goal not line playing work. Geo. I'm not, I'm just saying oh. for Lenny, like for his, his, uh, his role, his upside. He, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely going to eat into it. But at 5,700, I'm still going to play this as if I'm playing it as if I'm right, which is, you know, dangerous, but that's how we play DFS. I'm playing this game as if Leonard Fournette is getting at least one touchdown catching at least four balls and at 5,700, he's, he's three Xing, four Xing on his price, uh, which I'm not asking him to get me 30 points. I'm asking him to get, you know, 18 to 20. And I think that's in the realm of possibility with geo still seeing some, some work, but it kind of begs the question. Like, do we think this game flow is going to go the same direction it did last time? Like if you knew you were getting 58 pass attempts from Tom Brady, 
does that mean that Fournette feels like less of a good play? I think so. I mean, I don't think we're going to project that, obviously, for Brady. That would be insane. But if this game does hit the over and it is a a back-and-forth passing attack, because look at how the offenses can interact, right? You can't run on the Bucs. You can't run on the Rams. Last time these two teams played, Tom Brady was the leading rusher in that game for the Bucs. That's that's where where we're at right now. So, yeah, I think... Not that I'm not in on Leonard Fournette. I just... I can see past the downside in this game. And that's why in GPPs, likely he's going to be more of a guy that I come in underweight on uh, relative to the field. It's interesting in this game because obviously the Bucks are favored. They're at home. They're the champs from this past year. But you look at the Rams side and you can say like, wow, this is a more talented offense with so many more layers, especially the way that Matthew Stafford is just pummeling his wide receivers with targets. He's the scariest part of this game to me because the Matthew Stafford we've seen before we saw in week three where he carved them up four touchdowns. Like there are weeks where he is scary and he throws two or three picks and you wonder like how many more years does he have left? So Matthew Stafford's kind of the key to me. He's cheap, like drafting 6,200. It makes it really easy to double stack. Like these are the two guys the entire year when we were doing the analysis, it was kind of like copy and paste. Like you play Stafford double stacks, you play Brady double stacks and so with Stafford, you're obviously playing him with Cup, but is there any other plays in this game that you would attach to him that you have some level of confidence in? Yeah, I think you look at Odell Beckham and his role with this team. He is a red zone target for Matthew Stafford. And when you're talking about GPPs, which that's the only situation you would play Odell Beckham in, you're talking about touchdown upside to help get you there. And he's certainly the guy that he's been going to not name Cooper Cup, obviously, Six of the nine games with the Rams, he scored a touchdown. Five of six of those touchdowns came inside seven yards or less. So like when they get in close, Sean McVay is designing plays for Odell to get the ball in his hands. So I think he's probably a guy I'm pretty interested in. And then we saw last week too on Monday Night Football, like designing plays specifically for him. You know, the trick play with the pass um, did seem to be kind of a guy that was looking better just from the eye test at how he was playing football. And, and certainly if you are stacking Stafford, I agree, you got to do a double stack. So Obviously, Cup's a no-brainer, awesome play. And then I'm pretty interested in Odell this week. What's interesting also about the Rams, and I've said this before with McVay, is he can kind of morph as a play caller. So you know that the Rams throw the ball at a pretty high rate, but when they're leading, their rush rate you know goes above 50%. It's one of the top among remaining playoff teams. So Cam Akers is one of those plays. We talked about Joe Burrow, but the public like wants Cam Akers to be a thing. And he's super talented and he looked pretty good on Monday night in his touches. Like, okay, he's more electric than Sonny Michelle, even coming off his Achilles injury. So how are you handling this game? Is I mean, I feel like the easy way is to say Stafford stacks, but with Akers, are you mixing him in as part of a stack or are you basically only using him as leverage against those? Yeah, I think more of a leverage play. I know he had a couple of deep targets last week, dropped one, caught the other, um, so you could say like, yeah, maybe he has one of those, but it's low probability. So I think the best way that Stafford gets there is not through Sony Michelle or Cam Akers and then vice versa. Cam Akers goes off in this game because, uh, they got out to a lead and they're able to, to run on the bucks, which not many teams have. But that said, when you're looking at four game slates, like matchups, aren't everything, you know, usage means a lot and leverage, as we said in GPPs means a lot. So 
Yeah, it's tough on Acres because I wish he was more expensive. I think he's going to be extremely popular. We just saw him on an island game. He looked great, like you said. In dynasty leagues, people love Cam Akers, so like people are going to want to play him in this spot. Um, I think I might just let the field dictate how I, how I handle it. If he's going to be popular, I'll probably come in underweight. If he's going to go overlooked, I'll probably play a few shares of Cam Akers. On FanDuel at 5,700, I can tell you right now, he's going to be a popular play, um, especially if he sees you know the type of workload. Um, he saw more than 50% of the snaps this past week. Yeah, I think those that... The long target is going to be what sticks in people's mind because that's not always repeatable. Um, even though the Bucks in the past have given up a lot to running backs, but that's going to be the thing that's going to carry people over the top of. He looked good. He got a deep target. You know, this is somebody who's cheap. Like we're going to play him. So yeah, I think I'll probably be a little bit more underweight. Um, but I did write him up as a GPP play on FanDuel. Um, what about some of the ancillary guys? We can finish off with them. Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby. Jefferson's routes in terms of just like pure numbers have been going down for three straight weeks. That's kind of concerning to me because he was the guy in the middle of the season that was the deep target guy. And we're like, okay, we're going to get two or three of those a game, but he's cheap. So you can add him in. Like everybody's going to be playing cup and rightfully so is Van Jefferson, the piece or Tyler Hickby, the piece that you add in. Because Odo Beckham is probably the optimal play, but how do you feel about those other two? Yeah, for me, it's tough on Van Jefferson. It's, it's tough to click the button because you're relying on a deep target to hit. And could it happen on a small slate? Yeah, of course it could. Um, but he's just been so boom bust. And like you said, if the routes are turning the wrong direction, he's not going to dominate targets for that to kind of compensate for it if Cooper Cup's going to take some. And Odell and, oh, by the way, Tyler Higby's role is very, very quietly pretty awesome I'm, I'm kind of excited about Tyler Higby I said that last week and you said eh not really that into him um and when you talk about you know how he compares to like Gronk and Kelsey and those guys like clearly it's a different conversation but at his price point 4k on DraftKings 5400 on FanDuel like Tampa Bay has allowed the fifth most catches to opposing tight ends this year he's been seeing a little bit more as far as volume he has a 20 plus percent target share in each of the last five games no one's going to play him I'm kind of interested if you're playing Stafford to to pair him with Higby this week. Okay, so you're saying you'd rather play Higby than Jefferson. It just kind of yes. comes down to, does Jefferson catch a deep bomb and does Higby get in the end zone? That's kind of like what we're saying. We're kind of betting that Cup's getting in the end zone, but we're kind of saying where's these other two or three touchdowns coming from. So, uh, yeah, I think the Rams are a team that I think can win this outright. I'm okay if you want to do money line, but right now my stance is Rams – plus two and a half, and I would actually take the under. Oh, interesting. I don't think people are going to be on the under, so that's an interesting take. I also think the Rams can pull this one out, which always sounds scary when you're uh, backing Stafford with what we have seen in the last six weeks, the turnovers and that sort of thing. But if he plays well, they roll. Um, and betting against Tom Brady is always scary, but I'm going to take the Rams plus two and a half. All right, last game we're going to talk about is the one, the big mama on Sunday night. It's the Buffalo Bills three seed at the Kansas City Chiefs two seed. This feels like it is the AFC title game because it was last year. And I mean, it, we have a total of 54 points. It's been bet down from 55 earlier. But Kansas City's two and a half point favorites at home in Arrowhead. Uh, but man, the Bills have been gaining a ton of steam this week. I feel like in popularity and in terms of just what Josh Allen just did. So let's start with the Bills side, and then we'll talk about the Chiefs. 
with Josh Allen, we're getting not just some runs, we're getting design runs, we're getting like massive yardage. I mean, we're getting lines where we can say it's kind of easy to project him as the QB1. I mean, he's priced that way, but it's kind of easy to say this team runs completely through him. If they're going to hit their team implied total of about 26, Allen's responsible for at least two of those touchdowns and probably another. So in cash, would you say that Allen is just the easy quarterback, just pay up and move on? I think so, especially because we talked about on the this, this slate, like the pricing for a lot of the running backs are really solid. We'll talk about Devin Singletary in a minute. Cam Akers is cheap. Leonard Fournette is too cheap. You can fit Josh Allen if you want him on this slate. And if you're playing cash games, no brainer. He has the highest floor ceiling combination, in my opinion, this week. And it's because of the rushing, right? Like we talked about it last week when we talked about some prop bets. I love the over on his rushing line and he smashed it. And he's been smashing it in the playoffs, looking at his stat lines, like in the playoff games, it's insane. 92 yards, 54 yards. He only had three in one game. That was a couple years ago. Then 88 in last week, 66. Over the last six weeks, he's run for over 400 yards uh, himself. So that gives you access to an insanely safe floor. And then, of course, we know he can break the slate as we saw last Saturday. So, yes, if you're if you're playing cash games, for me, it's Josh Allen this week. Yeah, Josh Allen is kind of the way that you would I mean I want to believe in the Bills passing game like that's where I want to go in week five these two teams played and the Bills won 38 20 and it was on the back of Josh Allen the Chiefs are also allowing the highest pass success rate and the highest expected points per pass attempt among remaining playoff teams so that's where I want to go and also for the fact that Kansas City has just not been getting after the pass I mean after after the quarterback they have the lowest adjusted sack rate left so those combinations basically say bet on the Bills passing game. And if you're doing that, I feel like you kind of have to sort out four or five guys. Dawson Knox had two touchdowns last week. He looks like a solid play. Like he's the he's the tight end I would go to if you're not going Gronk, Kelsey. He's probably the next step in that conversation in terms of optimal plays. Stephon Diggs, the obvious play too. Uh, what are we doing with the rest of these jabronis? <laughs> Steph Diggs and the jabronis. Yeah, dude, it's tough. I mean, usually like when you're talking about a double stack, it's kind of easy to pick based off the statistics, like who you should go with. We just talked about it on the Rams. Like Van Jefferson is not going to project well. It could happen, but doesn't project well on the Bills guys. No one projects well. And it's because Josh Allen is playing awesome football, spreading the ball out to a bunch of different guys. Last week, it was Dawson Knox. Of course, we know Steph Diggs can get 12 targets in any game. It's in his bag. And then, like, Cole Beasley ran fewer routes last week than uh, Isaiah McKenzie. And I think when you're looking at the offense, they just look better with Isaiah McKenzie on the field at this point in Cole Beasley's career. So maybe we're seeing, like, a changing of the guard situation there. So I don't see how you play Cole Beasley. And then Manuel Sanders, like, he was fun early in the year. But again, he hasn't done much. Gabe Davis ran more routes than him last week. So... It kind of seems that they're doing like a full wide receiver committee at this point, and it's so tough to pick who it's going to be. But yeah, I think I'm out on Sanders and Cole Beasley, and I'll hope for maybe more efficiency from guys like Dawson Knox, um, Dawson Knox and uh, Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis are kind of the three that I'll sprinkle in GPPs. At least, you know, with Gabe Davis, his usage near the goal line is just a lot stronger than the others in terms of end zone targets. So uh, he ran the most routes of those dudes. They're just dudes. So you really are having to guess of what you're doing. Um, so with Allen, it's it's pretty clear you want to double stack with, with those if you think the offense is going to get two to three passing touchdowns. 
But Devin Singletary kind of is the one that kind of differentiates how you're using the Bills. We know his usage. Like, we know he's the guy. Like, for two or three weeks, we're like, all right, it's really, really good. Yeah, you should keep using him. Now it's at this point where we're like, okay, we, we forget. Who was their other guy, Zach Moss? Like, that's, at, that's where we're at at this point. So, with Devin Singletary, are you using him in Josh Allen stacks? Are you going Allen, Singletary, and then either Diggs or Knox? I think you certainly could, and it's a way to get different in this spot. If you think, you know, the Bills just come out and exceed their total, if you think they can win this game, I mean, it's got a 54-point total. If you think it hits the over, like, there's paths to Josh Allen and Devin Singletary getting there in the same game, as we saw last week. So it is possible, for sure. The other thing that's kind of intriguing about Devin Singletary is not just his total volume and role, but last week... He ran around on 80% of Josh Allen's dropbacks. That was the highest he's had this season. So it's it's like they're kind of turning him also into an extension of the passing game, which then again takes some excitement off of like Beasley and Sanders and those kind of guys, and it makes it really tricky. So I think it's somewhat straightforward on the Bills' side. We love Josh Allen. We love Devin Singletary. And then I think you're hoping that you kind of pick the right pass catcher in those situations. Yeah, so we like the Bills' passing attack. But on the other side... How do we feel about the Chiefs? I mean, I feel like the running backs, I tried to stare and decipher like which way to go with this. And obviously McKinnon, like somehow just ruined the slate. If you played him in GPP, props to you. If you had the stones, uh, I'm kind of just not trying to guess at all and just saying, hey, I'm going to figure out a way to go Mahomes, two guys, and figure it out from there. Yeah, who would have, man, Jarek McKinnon, who would have thought this is the dude? Um, yeah, it's, it's so tough, right? Because we're recording this on Thursday, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire on Wednesday was a full practice participant. So it looks like he's likely back this week, barring a setback. Um, Darrell Williams didn't practice Wednesday with the toe issue. Um, obviously he was active last week. Did he flare it up? It was, he just benched because of the fumble who knows. But if you're talking about how these teams want to play, it's obviously throwing the football. And I think based off of the way that CEH has played in the past game this year, He's likely to take a backseat to Jarek McKinnon in passing situations. I could still see CEH being the lead ball carrier, but when you're talking about GPP upside as stacking partners, potentially with Mahomes, I don't want to play CEH and Mahomes together. So I think McKinnon, while it feels like you're chasing a little bit, maybe he has just earned the role and they use him out of the backfield. Like we've seen, you know, Andy Reid just go to whoever has been the best running back in his backfield in the playoffs. Remember last year, Darrell Williams took over he was the dude when it should have been CEH or we thought it was going to be CEH. So Andy Reid is not afraid to go with who he thinks is the best for the game plan. I think it could be Jerick McKinnon, and it sounds terrifying to click the button on him, but it's really not a situation where I want to play CEH this week at all. No, I, I agree with you. With Mahomes, with Mahomes, you're basically saying he's going to get there and he needs to be the quarterback one because what you're saying is that Josh Allen isn't. Does that make sense? Like if you're using the same game, that's what you're saying in a GPP. So, I mean, flip a coin. Either one of these dudes could do it. I would bet on Allen if I had to right now. But these are clearly the two strongest plays in terms of quarterback, in terms of ceiling outcomes. Uh, and this, these two teams played last year, AFC Championship game. Uh, the Chiefs won 38-24. I, I feel like Byron Pringle is just going to be like, we saw what he did last week. Let's keep going with it. And Tyreek Hill, it's when you see his salary at 6600 it feels like I have to play him. But his usage just says that he's a 
good play or at least like that's what he's been recently like I so I want to play him in terms of if the field is going to go somewhere else I'm going to play Tyreek Hill because he can easily be the wide receiver one on this slate what's your stance on Hill this week yeah, it's so tough because you said the price tag is insane. Like, when have we seen Tyreek Hill at 6,600 on DraftKings? Almost never, right? So it almost feels like a trap. Um, but, like, looking at his game logs, he's only topped five targets twice in his last seven games. So he's been a guy it feels like you're chasing. But at the same time, we know he can pop up for a random 10-target game any week. He has a 10- and 13-target game in his last seven. So it's kind of been boom-bust. I think it probably takes him out of cash for me this week if you're playing in that sort of situation. But obviously, looking at game environment, they're at home. He's tied to Pat Mahomes. He's Tyreek Hill. We know he has it in his bag. So yeah, I think if he's going to come in as a guy that's not as popular in tournaments, certainly he's he's viable. And I think also looking at the slate, like if you need to late swap, you can use if you have these guys in your flex, like Tyreek 6600, Travis Kelsey 6500, Steph Diggs 6500. Um, and then Devin Singletary, 5,900. So you can kind of figure out what the field is doing and then like pivot if you need to, to access Hill's ceiling if he is a contrarian piece. Now, I love that point, especially if you are flexing Kelsey. Let's say that you chose a tight end you know, earlier on. You use somebody like Gronk. Uh, you use Kittle. You got really different, whatever it is. You can use Hill to your advantage because I feel like the field as a whole won't want to do it. Kelsey's weird. His price went down on DraftKings despite you know, two touchdowns this past week. I, I don't understand that at all. Uh, but Kelsey's obviously a super strong play. In, uh, in my optimal that I was doing earlier, like Kelsey was my flex. That's who I had in there to kind of like fit in a couple of different pieces. But I also had in Hill in that lineup too for a second uh, for like GPP. I just said Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, um, and go from there. But uh, any other thoughts on this game and how you'd stack it up? I don't think so. I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about the other guys, uh, just the dudes from the KC side. Like, I assume you're not interested in Mikkel Hardman or Byron Pringle. Are you chasing that at all? Mikkel Hardman plays in the NFL. Apparently, only when Tyreek Hill is out. That, that's when he does his thing. Uh, what's funny, side note, Mikkel Hardman and Isaiah McKenzie, both University of Georgia guys uh, who somehow are doing things in the NFL. Like Hardman, Hardman got drafted too high, but no, I don't want anything to do with Hardman with Pringle. I'll be underweight because I feel like the field is going to want to chase last week. All right. Fair enough. I think, yeah, I think we've said it all. All right. Give me your Vegas pick. Let's go bills. Bills plus the points. I just took earlier in the day bills money line and it made me feel good about my life. So, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm alive. Can't wait for Mahomes to come out and smash, and they're, they're going to win by like two touchdowns now just because he said that. Oh, for sure. All right, let's talk about some props we like. Straight cash, homie. So we shared these last week. Hopefully it was helpful to give you uh, a picture. Um, I didn't do so hot on some of mine. You and I were awesome on Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager made us some money, which is not a sentence that most people would be able to say. Um, and then I got in on some action on Elijah Mitchell um, in terms of his rushing attempts and his rushing yardage. And there's even a prop in the middle of the game that I took, Bets. I didn't tell you about this, but it was over 80 yards from Elijah Mitchell and the Niners win. And at one point he had 50 yards and I and it looked like they were going to win. So I just took it. So that one felt felt pretty good. This week, running back props are rough. Like a lot of the sites, so DraftKings and FanDuel specifically, 
are just not putting up running back. Like you can't find a Derrick Henry rushing prop right now because there's so much uh, up in the air. You can't really find anything for Kansas City because that's up in the air. Uh, Leonard Fournette still feels like you don't really know what to do. And then I feel like they don't know what to do with Green Bay either, like Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. So you're not going to find any running back props, and I, I don't have any listed here. Uh, but give me your first one you like for quarterbacks. Yeah, last week my biggest stance was the Josh Allen over on rushing yards, and that cleared in like this, like his third carry. <laughs> it was pretty awesome to see. Um, I'm going back to a running uh, prop for a quarterback. I think Josh Allen is viable, but they did raise the line this week. I'll go with Pat Mahomes. Um, he is uh, 22 and a half rush yards on FanDuel minus 130 juice. Looking at what he's done in the playoffs, he's gone over this line in five of his last seven playoff games looking at uh, when he was not a rookie. So essentially when he started playing football and uh, we know he runs more in the playoffs. If there's going to be a ton of dropbacks for Mahomes, like we talked about with Allen, there's going to be opportunities to scramble. So I think Mahomes can get there, especially given that there is a line also on DraftKings for his longest rush to be 13 and a half yards. And if, if they're projecting him to run one time for 14 yards, he's over halfway there already if he hits one of those. So I like the over on 22 and a half rush yards for Pat Mahomes this week. Sticking with Mahomes, there's a prop on DraftKings. It's over a half an INT. So do you believe that Patrick Mahomes will throw an interception, at least one? It's at plus 105 right now. Uh, Mahomes was bottom five in the league in, in INTs. Kind of a big deal this year, including, did you know he led the league in red zone INTs? He had three in one game at one point. Uh, so turnover and also against a pass defense that's ranked number one among remaining playoff teams. So I will take the plus money and obviously want to root for Patrick Mahomes. He's fun, but I will root for him to throw one interception. <laughs> just one, not two, just one. Uh, I will go, uh, keeping at the quarterback here. I like Ryan Tannehill over 238 and a half passing yards. I got that on FanDuel. You can also get 237 and a half on bet MGM. If you're a sicko and you want to line shop for one yard, you can do it. <laughs> um, but I like the over for, for Tannehill here. We talked about it. You know, efficiency is the game, but this offense just has been insanely efficient with Derrick Henry in the lineup, as well as with A.J. Brown and Julio there together. If since he's going to throw the football more, which they have, it should push Ryan Tannehill to do the same. So I like the over there. 238 and a half just feels way too low. All right, let's go to wide receiver. Uh, I have right now on the dock, Cole Beasley, your boy, at under 29.5 receiving yards on FanDuel. You can get that at minus 110. And Betts mentioned it earlier, but the dude ran nine routes this past week. So if he's going to be in a committee, he's always been a low ADOC kind of guy, uh, then, yeah, I'll take my chances on under 30 yards uh, for Cole Beasley. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, one that I like a lot too as well is Jamar Chase to go over five and a half catches. It is a little pricey. It's minus 144 on FanDuel. Um, if it gets way up there, then obviously it would be a different conversation, but I like it as of now. We talked about it. Jamar Chase, his role is so different than what it was early in the season. He's not just a deep ball guy that's going to get a handful of targets. He's seen 10 plus in three of the last four weeks. I think he can get six catches in this game against the Tennessee defense getting targeted at the highest rate at opposing wide receivers. All right, I'm going to rattle off a couple more in that same game because that's the one. That's really where I found the best props in terms of that Tennessee and and uh, Cincinnati game. AJ Brown to score is at plus one forty five on Fanduel. I like his chances. We believe Tennessee passing offense. CJ Uzama under three and a half receptions right now. It's minus one fourteen on Fanduel. Look, Tennessee's been a difficult matchup the entire year. 
uh, to tight ends. They've given up the second lowest yards per target and the fourth lowest catch rate. So if he's not involved, then three or fewer receptions feels easy. And then Evan McPherson, it's been a while since I brought up a kicker, but over one <laughs> and a half you. field goals only you man. is uh, <laughs> plus 125 on DraftKings. Did I bet it? I did. I did bet on uh, a kicker getting two field goals. Um, how do you feel about that one, Bets? You want to go in on me with me? <laughs> Is there any analysis there? That's, you just, that's just your take. You say, I just bet it and I like it. So that's what I'm going to do. Dude, two field goals in terms of their team applied total feels like doable. And he's been a reliable kicker. That, hey, that was a good kicking game between the Raiders and the Bengals. Am I right? Oh, so many field goals. That was fun to watch. All right, let's go through a couple mailbag questions. Mailbag. Mailbag, you can send in your questions to me at Kyle underscore Borg or at the Fantasy PT for bets. This first question comes in from the boy BS on Twitter. The question is, how many players in a full game stack is too many on a four-game slate? It's a great question. It is a good question. Um, context is needed here. You know, if you're talking about uh, teams that spread the target share out, then you could maybe go a little bit more. If it's teams that don't throw a lot, like for the Niners, for example, uh, I wouldn't want to play like three Niners in my lineup. It, it just wouldn't get there as far as ceiling. So I think a general take here is if we're going to go full game stack, I would probably cap it at four. You know, maybe you're going like double stack with your quarterback and then bring it back with one guy on the other team or a single stack and then bring it back with two on the other side, that sort of situation. I think probably for me, that's the most I would go on this slate. I would go five because I'm a sicko. But I mean, let me throw this out there. Let's out say control, you're doing buff- out of control. Buffalo, Kansas City, obviously has the highest total on the slate. We love both the quarterbacks, okay? So we're pretty much saying Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes is going to be the QB1, and we want two of his guys, okay? So let's say you went Mahomes. Let's say you went Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey, because honestly, pricing-wise, you can fit it in there. And then on the other side, you went Singletary and Diggs. I, I mean... It could happen. <laughs> and and it's Are crazy you, to say those names because the pricing is so bad this week. For sure. Are you telling me that I can basically do whatever I want in a GPP? Yeah, you can. <laughs> whatever you want. I cannot I cannot tell you how many times where people send a lineup, is this good in GPP? And I, every time I'll say, sure, it could work. You totally could work it out by playing two tight ends and, you know, whatever else. Like it. it Jarek McKinnon was the play this past week. If you would have played Jarek McKinnon and Byron Pringle, you would have done very well. That was not... Why was that not in your analysis this past week, Bets? You know, I was just lazy this week, man. That's that's the take on I wasn't ready for those for those hot takes, so I guess I, guess I missed the boat. <laughs> All right, next one from Ken Hendricks. He says, when it's Yeti season, hashtag Yeti season, and Joe B is on the opposite side, Joe Burrow. Do you go all in on this one game and treat it almost like a showdown slate and basically ignore the other game? So he's talking about if you're playing just the two game slate, okay, you're just playing the Saturday. Um, do you go all in on that game and kind of go underweight on San Francisco and Green Bay? If you're playing the two game slate, I think it's very viable. And because, you know, we're not shooting for like on a, a 10 game main slate or 12 game main slate, you're searching more for high end outcomes on the small slates you don't need every player to be the 95th percentile outcome to happen. You could get away with a 75% outcome and still be good and profitable. So yeah, if, if you think you have a strong take, 
that Tennessee and Cincy just does go into an all-out back-and-forth affair, and Green Bay, you know, beats San Francisco, let's say, 20-10, to 10, and it kind of disappoints, it's viable. It absolutely can get there on those two-game slates, and I think the general take-home is the smaller the slate, you want to embrace more variance and, and don't follow many rules as far as what you say for optimal lineup setting. So yeah, I think that's totally viable if you're just playing the two-gamer. Yep, going all in is obviously going to give you a different lineup construction. So let's say you played, um, let's go with Burrow, Chase, and then you threw in Boyd, you know, and you threw in the Bengals defense. I don't know, like that. you did that, and then you also threw in A.J. Brown, and, you know, you're basically saying, I need six players, and I bet no one else is going to have six players on their roster, uh, and this is going to get there. So if you did that, you would basically say, maybe I'm playing Aaron Jones on the Packers side and and fading Devontae Adams, something like that. Like in a GPP, you are trying to look at your lineup and say, okay, is anybody else going to have these pieces? And I'm saying the Bengals are winning. Like if you're doing that, you're saying the Bengals are going to win this game. Now, we mentioned earlier with Derrick Henry, like there's some volatility there. Like don't think you're going to get 20 carries automatically. So I would say for me to get different, if you think the field is going to be playing a lot of Derrick Henry, I probably wouldn't play him, play a ton of Bengals and play a ton of Titans pass catchers, which Betts and I are, are kind of kind of big on. All right, two more questions. They're from the same person, your boy Krusty Season on the Discord channel. He said this, what do you think is the most important position to get right this week for GPPs? This is a good question. Um, I think my take here is probably the uh, the quarterback situation, right? Because on a slate with Mahomes and Allen, if you're going to go contrarian and play uh, Burrow or let's say Aaron Rodgers isn't contrarian necessarily, but let's say that you're saying he beats these guys, you better be right because if you're not, you're probably getting buried. So I think quarterback situation is probably the most important to get right and therefore the passing attack on those teams as well. So I'll say quarterbacks and pass catchers. Yeah. Stafford's interesting because I think he can be the QB one. Like, let's say he puts up 303. You get the bonus on DraftKings. Like, I like Stafford a lot. But here's the thing with wide receiver. Just looking at the pricing. A.J. Brown, who we love, could easily be the wide receiver one. You and I were even talking about a prop earlier of A.J. Brown to lead the slate in receiving yards. He's the wide receiver eight in pricing. Like, there are so many guys at the top and you're not going to be able to fit in all of them. Cup, Adams, Samuel, Chase, like those four guys right there, we all could tell ourselves a story. They're the wide receiver one, but then you could easily see it from Tyreek. You could easily see it from Diggs, AJ Brown, Evans, and then you start going down a little lower. It's like, we love the values of OBJ. We like Tyler Boyd. I'm totally cool with Julio Jones. There's a ton of different conversations you know, different combinations in there. And then who's this week's Byron Pringle? I don't know. So getting those three spots, you have to get them right in your lineup for GPP and then figuring out, do I want to flex them? Because I feel like running backs this week aren't going to have the ceiling where you're flexing that third running back. Like, I feel like the builds that are going to be there are be two running backs. And then you're saying, who am I flexing wide receiver or am I flexing a Kelsey because he's that last game or am I flexing Dawson Knox? Um, so to me, it's figuring out what the high end wide receivers and I wish I had a strong stance. Like I really feel like I like all of them. Um, any, any last thoughts on just these high end wide receivers? No, I think you talked about it though. Like on this slate, you're looking for 
some variance to hit in a high ceiling way for these pass catchers. Like how many times do you think AJ Brown or Jamar Chase can beat Cam Akers or can beat Devin Singletary, like those sort of situations. And I think most of the time, the ceiling outcome is way higher for those guys. So I think I'm with you. It probably does feel like a two running back slate. And then, you know, you chase the ceiling with those high upside guys uh, at the wide receiver position. All right. He has one follow-up question just for fun. Give me your Super Bowl predictions. Ooh, nice. I like this. Um, I, I like the Packers. It kind of feels like it's it's what everyone's saying, but they're just getting right at the right time. So I like Green Bay. And then if we think the Bills can upset the Chiefs, I think the winner of that game is going on. So give me the Bills taking on the Packers. My bracket before the playoffs was Packers and Chiefs. And I had Packers, I think in December, before they were, you know, before they were cool. Uh, I had the Packers. So for me, I still have the Packers winning it all. It's probably kind of a simple square take right now. But I will still stay with that, Packers and Chiefs. Um, although... I mean, I'm going to take some action on the Bills. Like, I think they're just a solid bet, even on the road this week, uh, to do some damage. If you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com. We're going to get divisional and go to the DraftKings League, Fans Footballers DFS Borg plus bets. Keep taking our money. We want bets wants his account to hit zero by the end of the year. That's what he told his <laughs> wife. Oh, man. If that happens, it's going to be a difficult conversation. So yes, if you're playing with us, maybe you like you know sprinkle in some uh, sprinkle in some Daryl Williams in your lineup this week for me, guys. Please, I, I could use the help. See, Betts is all about the crowns. That's what he's explaining to his wife Monica is that I have a ton of crowns in my account, and I get to use those. <laughs> those are going to be they're like you know they're they're a type of cryptocurrency, am I right? Exactly. Yeah, those things are are worth their weight in gold. So yeah, you can play with us at BallersDFS.com, and we would love to uh, love to play with you guys. But Betts. Why don't you sign us off? Yes, absolutely. Everyone have an awesome weekend. These four games should be a ton of fun to watch. So enjoy the football. Best of luck in all your contests. Come play with us at BallersDFS.com. And don't forget, we still got content up in the DFS Pass. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.